God bless you tonight. Let's stand. We are going to turn this service over to Brother Goff. Looking forward to hearing from him. We love the Goff family. So thankful that they're a part of the Truth Church. And I want him to come tonight and take his liberty. I want him to preach to me tonight. And we got things going on after service, but we want to get our minds on what's happening right here, right now. Amen. Praise God. Come, Brother Goff, take your liberty. Preach to me. God bless you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. Amen. I'm so thankful to feel the presence of God in this house tonight, to feel the richness of it. Amen. It just confirms it's why I come to the house of God. It's to feel Him as handsome and beautiful and pleasant and the personalities that fill this place. You're nothing compared to my God. We all come to see Him. We all come to worship Him. Amen. And I love my Savior. I love Him with all of my heart. Amen. And I hope you do too. And I believe that you do. That's why you're faithful to the house of God. And it's such an honor and a privilege to come behind this sacred desk to be able to deliver the word that God has laid upon my heart. Amen. What a beautiful day it is. Amen. It's thankful to be able to celebrate this Sunday. It will celebrate our pastor's birthday. Amen. He's with some of his favorite people. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> I will shamelessly plug the Truth Church family, amen. Great, great people. I love this church family. I was bragging after service about how great it is to have a church family like we do, amen. How blessed we are. We bear one another's burdens. We pray for one another. We weep when we're weeping. We rejoice when we're rejoicing. And I thank God that God has put me in a church family such as this. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I want to get into the Word of God. If we could turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 12, reading several verses of Scripture. It's a privilege to be here and good to have my dear friend, Pastor Hilton here and join us today in service and his family. Amen. Brother Mendez, glad to have you here with us. Thanks for coming and all those that are in the house of God tonight. Amen. Matthew chapter 12, be reading in verse 33. It says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and its fruit corrupt. For The tree is known by his fruit. O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. And an evil man out of the treasure bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by the words thou by, for by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by the by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Amen. I want to preach to us tonight a heart full of resolve. If we can lay our Bibles down, ask God to reach down and touch us, asking for revelation of His Word. I need His touch tonight. Heavenly Father, we thank You, Savior, giving You the glory and the honor, Master, in this house. God, I'm just a man. God, I 
God, each and every one. Let your presence, God, continue to course through this house. Oh, you see the needs in this house tonight, God. Hallelujah, you see every heart. Oh, I've come to worship you and magnify you. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I thank you, Savior. I thank you, Savior. Amen. You may be seated. A heart full of resolve. Reading through this passage of Scripture, we find ourselves referencing several verses that are familiar to us, talking about the tree that beareth forth good fruit. We talk about, for out of the abundance the heart, out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. And in verse 35, I want to bring our attention to it, where it talks about a good man, out of the good heart, out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. Amen. God knows what you're lacking in your heart tonight. Only you know. You're the only one in this house tonight. But I do believe I have a glimpse into just a few that are struggling with some things, and I believe God wants to do some help in this house this evening. Bishop talked and taught us and preached so eloquently this morning, talking about many of the things of which I will bring up tonight. And God laid it on my heart for a reason. I was not discouraged and saying I'm just going to repeat what's already been said because I feel there's an emphasis that someone needs to understand and hear the lesson again that God is trying to reach for your heart to help you because you're not passing the test. I've been there. We've all been there. It's nothing to be ashamed of, but God is truly wanting to help a heart tonight. Amen. Anyone that has some knowledge of the Bible will at some point come across scriptures that talk about the Pharisees. We understand that we often equate the behaviors of the Pharisees to be the worst of the worst. We understand how they impacted the Bible story that we read. After all, it was their hatred towards our Savior that propelled Him towards Calvary. Which, looking at this side, I am so thankful that this happened. I am thankful that there were people that hated Him so much they were willing to crucify Him because I am a benefactor. We are all a benefactor of Calvary. And I thank God that it happened. And God used the compulsion of the Pharisees because they lashed out at anything that challenged their beliefs. And maybe challenged isn't the right word, but maybe it more appropriately is exposed. Their self-righteousness is more appropriate and more accurate. When we look in our text, we see that Jesus walked right in the middle of the synagogue and did miracles on the Sabbath. And He confronted their heart and began to speak. In our text, you hear the verses as Jesus began to speak to the Pharisees and the audience that were bringing accusation against Him, and He begins to speak to their heart. While I may have taken my text out of a tense portion of Scripture, I assure you by no means am I calling anyone here a Pharisee. You see, regardless of who you are, we are all held by the same standard, the same rule, the Word of God. You cannot justify your actions based upon how you feel, how good you feel about yourself, or how you're able to look down upon somebody else and say, I'm not that bad, I must be okay. 
we are all held to the same standard through the Word of God. And tonight, I want to take us on a journey of the heart. And I don't come as an authority, but I come speaking the Word of God and the Gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power, as was already said, the power that worketh within us to give us victory over death, hell, and the grave. To give us victory over every adversary that may come against us. That is what we're going to talk about tonight. When we read our Scriptures, we find there are two verses of Scripture that I like to call us to in verse 34. And Jesus is using some strong languages and, and He's drawing the attention towards themselves. Instead of reflection of others that were in the audience, He's talking to the Pharisees and He begins to address them personally. What's interesting, and I've said this before, and you can look through Scriptures, you'll find where Jesus makes the comment in Scripture, or it's noted in Scripture, says Jesus knowing their heart, knowing their thoughts. He was standing there knowing they were trying to trip him up and trying to get him to do something that they could uh, bring accusations against him. And you can read that even in the prior verses of Scripture. But we see in verse 34, it says, O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. And a good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. But I appeal to the heart of each and every one of us. The place that the inward man battles life. It is the inward thoughts that are rationalized and the outcome is stored within the heart of man. For in the mind lies logic. Within the heart lies intent. Thoughts enter in and are fleeting and the mind and we rationalize life through those thoughts. That's just how we work. Through our senses of seeing, hearing, feeling, smelling, touch, all of those bring us to a point of thinking. You touch something that's hot and your body reacts and immediately the thoughts that's going on, there's a response from the body that it is hot or it is cold. But also within our mind, the thinking, the, the place to where we process everything in life, and everybody here is thinking and looking and hearing the words that I'm saying and you're processing them and, and you're filing them away and you're placing importance upon some and less importance on another. And that's just how we do things. And we do this day in and day out. Sometimes we have those moments in life to where you've had those days where it's been nonstop. And by 4 or 5 in the afternoon, you're like, I'm just exhausted. And all you've been doing is really thinking and maybe processing some things and prioritizing. But thinking exhausts us. But the heart is where all of that rationale is downloaded and saved. The mind takes all of our environmental things and our historical opinions and things that we weigh and balance and we try to figure out and our mind is trying to balance those and there'll be some, uh, some checksums going back to the heart and saying, what do you think? And there's rationale as we begin to think about what's going on and the thoughts that's in our mind. And every service, we drive past a lottery billboard that's on our exit coming to church. And we see the numbers go up and down and sometimes we'll comment, well, it looks like someone won the lottery. 
And it's easy in our minds to start to think about the what ifs. But there's something in my heart says, one, that's a sin. Two, I'll never win. And three, most of the people that do this, they die wretched, they die alone, they die miserable and broke. And what difference would it make in my life if I were to do this? I should have no desire. And so the heart speaks and says, that's a pointless thing to entertain, move on. That's what the heart is there for. It is to bounce things that have been um, been placed within your heart and you know that they're there and there is resolve around them. They are firmly seated and grounded within what you believe as truth. And those are things, and, and, and there's things in life that many people believe with all of their heart. Causes, uh, benefits, there's things that they believe deep within their heart and they, they reconcile everything they read and hear and you say and the things they observe against those, and they say, well, nope, that goes against what I believe. And so they discredit it or push it aside, and they don't receive it. Whether it's truth or not, that's just how the human body operates. And it is within the heart that we base our motivation. It gives us that sense of direction. It gives us the source of our passions. And it is where we reconcile the course of our life comes from the heart of man. And how is the heart changed is through the understanding that our mind provides and gives a new priority to our heart. And pastor, you read a scripture that I've heard you pray and, and I've taken your example and I begin to pray it myself for years now. Is In Psalms, David says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. That is making sure that regardless of the thoughts that go through my mind, it reconciles to the heart that God has given me. Because God has washed my heart, cleansed me through baptism and repentance. God has allowed me to live a life where I have an advocate, where I can go and find a place of cleansing, where it washes the heart and cleanses the mind, and I can walk upright and be pleasing unto God. But if you don't have that place in your heart that's clean, where God comes in and abides and lives there and gives you that, that place where you can reconcile everything that comes against you in life and you begin to look at things and you know what, there will be a time that you'll begin to consider and say, well, they have a valid point. But it's because you've let some things creep into your heart. You've got to be careful what voices you allow and entertain in your mind because guess what? they will eventually download and save into your heart. And the next thing you know, you have adjusted your moral compass. You no longer have proper rationale that God has given you. And now you're bouncing the Word of God off of something that is twisted or skewed or not just right. You would never build a house with crooked boards. Why would you let them in your heart? You would never someone let someone do something that wasn't up to code and there was violations everywhere. You wouldn't go in there and say, I'm sorry, inspector, this is the way I've designed it. I don't want rebar in my concrete. I don't want the right size nails in those studs. And I don't care about the foundation. It'll shift, but it'll be all right from now. Why would you let it happen in your heart? Why would you entertain those thoughts that, that changes the makeup of who you are? And the next thing you know, you're like, well, I guess I don't need that anymore, or... This starts to look appealing a little more. And you begin to reconcile things in your mind and say, the preacher's wrong and I'm right. 
But if you look at your heart, you'll find out there's some things missing. Psalms 119 and 11 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. I, if you could say it this way, in my summary of words, it says, I, I have secured the word of God in my heart to keep me from displeasing my Savior. The heart is the seat of power by which we are governed. That is the place of where we reconcile our walk with God. How we judge a service, how we judge the word of God, everything that God reaches for us, we bounce it off our heart and we say, God, I, I, I really need this. And God will give you a word and begin to speak to you. But there are times where the scripture comes up and it says, and God hardened their heart. You see, God is not the only one that can harden a heart. You can. You own that real estate. You know why? Because you're the one who gives it to him to manage. You give it to him to own. And you say, I am not my own. I have been bought with a price. And it should be our prayers that say, God, put your word deep within my heart. No one knows your heart, but everyone sees your actions. And it is a direct reflection of your heart if you just pay attention long enough. When we can see, and the power of observation is a powerful, powerful tool. You don't have to be some brainiac to see someone going through things and the observations that you can make and you can understand things are not just right. We have to be careful of who we entertain and how those voices and those thoughts that are planted in your mind. The danger, and I want to be very clear, the danger of entertaining the brightest minds of this world is that in most cases, they don't have the greatest hearts. They may be able to stimulate your intellect and cause you to feel really good about yourself because you thought of something. But be careful, little fox. You be careful, little things that come into your life. Just because it is stimulating to the mind doesn't mean it's going to be something you should put in your heart. Because they may sound so got it together, but you forget the words that they present are edited, scripted. They're being said for a reason. They're weighted to their own advantage. Be careful who you entertain in your mind. Because it without fail will go to your heart. True direction. Let me step back. Be careful who you call mentor. Be careful who you call mentor. Be careful who you call mentor from your professional aspect of your work. And who you call mentor and your friends around you. Who you call and say I need your advice. Because if they're not submitted to a man of God, I would not submit to them. If they're not submitted to the word of God, I would not submit to them. Their opinion means absolutely nothing. Let me ask you this. If you were going up to a doctor's appointment, and you were there out of health concerns, and you drove up, and on the outside of that building, there was a little smoke station, and you look and you see your doctor standing there smoking a cigarette. And he says, hey, Mr. Goff, I'll be in there in just a minute. Let me finish this up. 
And you go in there. Are you going to trust his judgment or her judgment? I don't think you would. Why would you trust someone who doesn't go to church, doesn't read their Bible, doesn't pray, doesn't submit themselves to the word of God and to their pastor? Why would you trust eternity to them? I would walk out of that doctor's office and I'd say, transfer my files. I will never be back. But why would you sit down across a desk and say, I need you to give me life advice on my career, on my happiness, the next steps in my life, if you haven't sat down and talked to your pastor? Why would you do it? True direction can only come from God, His Word, and His delegate, the pastor in your life. Those are the only places you can come together and get unity of the direction. You won't get three different answers. Because when God speaks in your life, it is defined, it's definitive. It is the way. You will never get a true sense of your life until you're submitted to the man of God. And I want to leave you with this before I move on. The treasures in your heart decides where you will spend eternity. And you better be careful who plants them in your heart. The ideas, the thoughts, the directions, the places you're willing to go, and the lines you're willing to cross. You have to be submitted to the man of God. Jesus said, I've come to fulfill the law. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, he says, Think not that I have come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. And I've read this scripture many times, and I have no new take on it. But it was just a word that stood out to me. Fulfill. Thayer's means to carry into effect. Bring to realization. Realize. Meaning who, whoever makes the statement has the ability to complete the objective. And I want to leave you with this. You can't give away something you don't have. Jesus is the only one who can give away something. Because we get everything from Him. He is the source of our joy, our peace, our consolation. He gives us our happiness. You can't give away anything that you don't have. So you have no business trying to counsel somebody if you don't have peace, joy, love. If you're not walking with God, you have no business giving life advice to somebody else. You can't give something you don't have. But there's a place you can go where God can fulfill things in your life. And you'll stand there and say, I am a changed man because I submitted. Can I testify today? I'm a changed man because I submitted. Is there a witness in the house tonight? My life is different because I said, God, whatever it is, take it and use it. I am not my own, but I give myself to you. It's interesting in this passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter 5, he's again talking to the Pharisees. He begins to talk very stern to them. But he talks about their self-righteousness in verse 20 in Matthew chapter 5. In verse 20 it says, For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. So unless your righteousness exceeds the ceremonial obligations, you're going to be limited to abiding in those that value ceremony over finding true depth in God. That's where you'll be. You know what that is in layman's terms? Shallow. You'll be surface. Everything will just be an obligation. 
Pastor, you talked about it. You said it's more than just having the outward appearance right. You said this morning there is importance, but there must be a place of renewal. And it spoke to my heart, God, I want you to renew within me that clean heart, oh God. Oh, and let that spirit, that spirit, I don't want it to be my own. I want it to be his. So when I speak, I speak with the spirit of God. You know what that is? Loving everybody. Having compassion upon them. Not looking out for my own self-interest, but looking out for a lost and dying world that needs him. In Hebrews chapter 9. I won't be reading any verses of scripture. We look, when we talk about this, it gives a detailed description the writer goes in and gives the types and shadows and at the end of it explains that Jesus Christ fulfilled all of those types and shadows he talks about the ancient tabernacle and how it was described in short reading through that Jesus came as the high priest and the sacrifice and Jesus came as the fulfillment of the ceremony and the sacrifice and Jesus was appealing to the audience in Matthew chapter 5 to go beyond the outward ceremonies. And it was a stark warning was given to those that did not. He says, you will not enter into the kingdom of God. Kingdom of heaven is what he says. But Jesus came to preach a place of repentance. A place to where we can walk in and have our sins washed away. Baptism in his name would be preached. And the promise of the Father. Bishop, he talked about it in Luke chapter 24 this morning. And it's the plan of salvation that the apostles and all of those that followed after the voice in their life that was Jesus Christ. And it took them to a place called Jerusalem. And it took them to an upper room. And it took them to a place that would forever change their life and change the world. Because they were willing to submit to the plan that God gave. And they were able to experience the death, burial, and the resurrection of the plan of salvation and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. The reason that Jesus was able to make the promise of salvation is because from Him flowed death, burial, and resurrection. The power of salvation was made available through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We read in 1 Peter chapter 3, in verse 18, says, For Christ also has suffered, once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust. What a beautiful story. We are the unjust. And that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. What a beautiful story it is that we have someone, Jesus Christ, God walking among us in the flesh, willing to take on everything that I would go through and knowing my name even this day. And I was reading about through our genealogy and I began to look where someone had done the research and I, I should have counted and I begin to look where someone began to go through the years of history through my family. And they went through and found that there was, a, I think, a lieutenant colonel that was a part of a revolution. And his family was one of the main, the first bank to fund the Revolutionary War. And I was like, well, that's interesting. I began to do a little bit of research and found the museums and the statues. Maybe they're still there. I don't know. They've probably been taken down and something else been put in its place by now. But you look at the history and they begin to go page after page. And they begin to go back into Bible times. And I begin to think, this goes all the way back to the beginning. But I can look back and say, but God, however many generations, said I want Douglas, Kaiser Golf, 
to serve me. And I listened to his call. Now, I may have been born into this precious truth, but I assure you, I had to make the same decision as anyone else. I had to surrender just like anyone else. I had to give my all just like everybody else. There was no silver spoon handed to me. I don't have a Bible that someone went and wrote all the messages that I would ever need to preach or teach and every Bible study that I would ever need to put together, but I was handed truth because I was brought to an apostolic church as a young boy and dedicated to the house of God, but I still had to make a decision to serve God. I still had to say, God, I want you to fill the void that's in my heart. Because I remember all that I had was conviction and sin and pain and all the mistakes of my life. And I stood there as a 16-year-old boy and I said, God, take it all. I want to live for you. I would be foolish if I was to say I've never fallen. I've never been backslidden sitting on an apostolic pew. I've never been to a youth conference or a service and not been right with God. But I'm here to tell you today there was something down deep in my heart that says I cannot, I shall not, I will not walk away from the house of God. This is where safety is at. In Titus chapter 2 and verse 14, we find that Titus gives us a detailed instructions on what to expect from the saints in Titus chapter 2. And I won't take the time to go through and read all of the verses of Scripture. But it's safe to say that each and every one of us have an obligation to be rock solid in the faith, looking for that glorious appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ. In Titus chapter 2 and verse 14, it says, Who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity, and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. God has called each and every one of us to a place to be zealous about what he has called us to do. I can't do this half-hearted. I've already seen souls that I feel like if I'd have just given a little more, maybe they would have turned their life around. And I live with regret, but I know it's their decision just like it was mine. But I can only do from this day forward and say, God, whatever it is you ask of me, I'm willing to do it. Whatever you're wanting me to say, I'm willing to say it. However you're wanting me to do it, I'm willing to do it. Wherever you want me to go, I'm willing to go because eternity is too big a price to pay for me not to be zealous about the good works that you have placed before me. I must be passionate about this gospel. If I could make my last point, if the musicians would come, I promise I won't be much longer. If I could give you something to take, is get your mind on the kingdom. Back to our portion of text. In Matthew chapter 12 and verse 34 it says, O generation of vipers, how can ye being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. You must have a heart full of resolve. The Scripture tells us, and we reference this verse of Scripture when someone slips up and says something, and oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that. And you're like, 
Oh, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh, and you're joking about it, but you know there's truth to it. But we must have some resolve deep within our heart. And I want to challenge you with these last few points that I would like to make tonight. You must have resolve deep within yourself. Resolve, from Webster, says to reach a firm decision about to declare or decide by a formal resolution and vote. It doesn't matter what life throws at you. You must have it resolved in your heart that serving God is the only option that you have for your life. That is the only option available for us. If you don't have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, this is the only option you have available. If I could bring it from my side of living for God and being in truth, it is my only option. But from a side where you've never experienced the baptism of the Holy Ghost and had your life turned around, it is your only option because all that's left is tradition. All that's left is a way of saying, well, I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. And I dare say, the only thing that will do is appease your conscience for just a moment. And then you'll realize, I never even changed. But the option that I'll present to you tonight, God wants to walk in through the corridors of your heart. And He wants to hear you resolve something. Make up your mind with resolve, with confidence, with conviction, saying no matter what it is, my life will be serving God. And I've made a commitment in my heart. The issue of salvation is resolved. I've sat in services and had, and no offense to anyone, but I've sat in services as a young man going to a Christian school that was not apostolic, because that's all that was available. It was either that or public school. And sit there and hear service after service, chapel service. People talking about just come and listen to the prayer that I'll pray for you. You repeat it and you're saved. And I watched everybody in my school go through those steps and their life never changed. I've sat in church after church and I've, I've been in different types of religions and sat in their church services and see people go to the front and lift their hands and cry tears and sincerity, and their life never changed. But what I'm telling you today, this will change your life. I've made up my mind and I'm committed in my mind and determined in my heart, no matter what it takes, I must be saved. I've made that commitment at this altar. I've walked the front of this church. I've walked the aisles of this church. I've knelt at these altars and I say those words and I say it again. I am committed to living my life for Him. I went to my house and I knelt at the foot of my bed and I prayed my prayers every morning and I renew my commitment to God. Master, I give you my life. No matter what it takes, I'm going to give you everything. Drive down the road going home or to church and have my family captive in my car and I renew my commitment and I say it publicly to them. I say, you will never convince, convince me that this is not the truth. I refuse to leave the house of God. I have committed, Bishop, this will be my life. My mind is made up. You can't convince me otherwise. 
I don't care what happens. If all of my family walks out the doors, and I pray they never do, but if that happens, I have the resolve inside of me. He's been too good to me for me to leave. They will miss out, but I ask God reach down and find a place of repentance in their heart. Draw them back. I have a funeral coming up this Saturday, and I'll be sitting there side by side with backslider after backslider in my family, and I've convinced myself I'm not going to judge them. I'm going to make them hungry. I'm going to make them salivate for the house of God. I'm going to make them desire for His peace, His love and joy, because I'm committed to this. How committed are you? How committed are you? Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6 says this, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Reading this verse of scripture at the very beginning, Dr. Albert Barnes makes this statement about the first part. He says, Confidence in God will free your mind from anxiety. Don't be worrying about anything. But verse 7 says, And the peace of God, which passeth, passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ. If you've got turmoil in your heart, if you've got turmoil in your mind, I'm here to tell you Jesus Christ is the answer. He can take care of every problem you've ever had in life. He'll let you be able to forgive others. He'll even let you be able to forgive yourself for the things that you've done. If you just give your life to him. Verse 8. Finally brethren. Whatsoever things are true. Whatsoever things are honest. Whatsoever things are just. Whatsoever things are pure. Whatsoever things are lovely. Whatsoever things are good report. If there be any virtue. If there be any praise. He doesn't say anything else. He doesn't say just consider it. He says think on these things. You know what that means? Put it in your heart. If you have things other than this going through your mind and coming out of your mouth, you're not thinking on the things of God. If all it is is sin that you wrestle with, you can have freedom from it tonight because this is a promise. This is something you have access to. The Colossians chapter 3 in verse 2 says, Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. God is telling us, if you'll forget about everything going on around you, if you'll forget about the problems in life that you have going on, the things that's going to face you tomorrow, if you can walk from this house tonight and say, God, I'm committed. I have resolved deep within my heart tonight. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to let it disturb my sleep. I'm not going to let it steal my peace. I'm going to be committed to these things. If you don't have that resolve within your heart, you have so much further that you can go in the Word of God. Because when you're full, you can give love because the love of God is in you. Forgiveness can flow from you because you're willing to ask for forgiveness and to give forgiveness. A testimony comes out when you recognize who is your strength. And good things come out of those that are willing to be called a child of God. If we could stand this evening.